0: Shalom and welcome to Think Jewish where we join together to explore Divine Keys for a better life. Our Torah portion this week begins with the commandment that when the Jewish people are counted that the people not be counted but that each give a half shekel and that the half shkalim, the word shkalim is plural form for shekel That the Hafshkalim be counted, not the people. Our sages explain that blessings lay in that which is hidden from the human eye and in that which is not counted. The Talmud tells us how King David counted his army and a plague broke out, killing many of his soldiers. And the prophet admonished him for counting the people rather than objects. The codifiers of Jewish law have different opinions of whether this applies to all counting or if it doesn't apply to a mitzvah counting when God would command that the Jewish people be counted. From this commandment came an annual practice that served a beautiful purpose. Every year on the first day of the first Jewish month, which is called Nisan, the month of Passover, All the Jewish people would give a half shekel to the Holy Temple year after year. A month prior, we would read about the commandment in the Torah so that we are reminded to prepare our half shekel. And the Shabbat that we do this reading is called until this very day Shabbat Shekalim. This half shekel then served an awesome purpose since it is the only contribution that each Jew, rich or poor, must give the same amount, making each Jew a perfect equal partner. There are daily communal sacrifices that were brought in the Holy Temple, which were brought from these coins so that they are truly communal offerings in which every Jew is an equal partner. Today, these half are given on the fast of esther usually the day before purim because our sages speak of three different contributions that took place so the custom is to give three coins now the half shekel as they are today are the half coin of the currency of the land that one lives in and therefore here in america usually the synagogues will provide three silver half dollar coins, which each person will buy for fifty, and then put the coins into the basket, allowing for the next person to come along and do the same. One more additional fact, today the half shkalim money is used for any charity cause. There is an interesting magic to the way the Torah is extrapolated in different forms due to the different meanings of the words in the verse. Sometimes this happens even in Jewish law, but most often in the mystical teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidism is where this happens. Our verse about the half shekel carries these hidden layers. Let us now examine the verse of the half shekel commandment in our torah portion when you will count the word count here is sisa when you will count the heads of the children of israel for their counting the word for counting here is *lipkudehem*. this is what they shall give and it goes on to say a half shekel of the holy shekel 20 geira the shekel geira is a smaller coin than the shekel and the verse is telling us that a whole shekel is 20 gerah. thus we now know that a half shekel is 10 gerah. so I pointed out for you two words in Hebrew Sisa, which is counting Lipkudehem, for their counting the two words that I pointed out in Hebrew have alternative meanings Sisa, here in this word, verse, means to count However, Sisa, by the way, I'm using the Ashkenazic European pronunciation, um, modern-day Hebrew and Svardim would usually say Tisa, can also be translated to mean lift. Now, the word dehem in this verse means to their count. However, the Hebrew word dehem can also be translated to mean what is missing. For example, to... They're missing, lip kudehem that they are missing, what they are missing. Let us now read the verse according to the alternative meanings of the words. When you, which refers to Moses, when you will lift the head of the children of Israel for what they are missing. In this lecture, we will examine the soul of the half shekel commandment, which lies hidden in the alternative meaning of the verse and which applies to each and every Jew throughout time. Additionally, we will explore why the Torah is telling us the value of the whole shekel, from which we must then deduce what the value of the half shekel is, instead of just telling us directly the value of the half shekel that we are commanded to give. It should have just said, and the half shekel is 10 gerah. Why tell us that the whole shekel is 20, Geira? What the Torah is letting us know with this is that what we are in essence giving is a half of a greater whole and that the two halves are of one whole. So what is the whole? What is our half? And how are the two halves of one whole ultimately given? The commandment is being told to Moses. On the mystical level, this commandment is a directive to Moses of what Moses is to do for the Jewish people. The job, the primary job of Moses is to lift the head of the children of Israel. In the deeper sense of the teaching of Kabbalah and Hasidus, this commandment gives us insight into the definition and purpose of what a Rebbe serves his generation with. Our sages teach us that there is a Moses in every generation. In Kabbalah we refer to this as the ispashtusa de Moshe bechol Dora Vidora. Moses' expansion within every generation and generation. With this teaching we understand statements of our sages, such as Mordechai, the one of the Purim story, Mordechai in his generation is as Moses was in his generation. This also explains why in the teachings every Rebbe such as the famous Rab Shimon Bar Yochai the author and compiler of the Holy Zohar Rab Isaac Luria the Arizal known in the Ariya Kadosh the Baal Shem Tov, who was the founder of Hasidis, the Alter Rebbe the founder of Chabad Hasidis, to our Rebbe are each referred to as the Moses of their generation. What does this mean? Additionally, we can now understand why the teachings define the Hebrew word Rebbe as the acronym. The three letters of Rebbe in Hebrew are Resh, Bet, and Yud. These three letters make the acronym of Rush B'nai Yisrael, Head of the Children of Israel. The emphasis here is on the word head rather than leader or the likes. The head has many layers to its purpose, service, and relationship with its body. And all of these aspects are uh, explored in Kabbalah's understanding of the position of Moses and of the Moses expansion within every generation. In this lecture, we will focus on the aspect that Kabbalah and Hasidus explains, which applies to our content of the half shekel. The head is the higher conscious of the person. Science today understands that every cell of the body has its own consciousness and its own memory. Nevertheless, the consciousness of the body's cells is inferior to that of the head. The body body embodies the lower conscious, while the head embodies the higher conscious. In the mystical teachings, we refer to the body's conscious as, I'm going to quote here an interesting name, the intellectual faculties of the emotional realm. This refers to the intellectual faculties of love, fear, compassion, and the human emotions. The soul level and consciousness of these intellects are its capacity and function in creating reactionary emotions. They are of the egocentric realm in that everything it understands about what's going on around is only focused on what does this mean to me, which then gives birth to a reactionary emotion sadness happiness love fear on many levels we refer to the body's conscious as the animalistic realm for the animal kingdoms capacity of intellect is limited to the functions of get food to eat protect yourself don't be eaten reproduce have pleasure and run from pain So too it is with the body's consciousness, where even God and religion's primary function to the person is to be an opium to the masses, providing us with hope and purpose in this world and reward and retribution in the afterlife. That's the lower conscious, the body's intellect. The head functions on a total different realm of consciousness, The core of the Higher Conscious is that it is theocentric rather than egocentric. For the individual, this defines itself first and foremost as selflessness. The focus here on the Head's Higher Conscious is on what I can do to serve without any yearning for personal gain, neither physically nor spiritually, not in this life or in the afterlife. One may say that the higher consciousness of the head is the gift of total abstract thinking detached of the body's paradigm of selfishness. Now we can carry this understanding to the Rebbe and the children of Israel. However, I want to first make one more distinction here. Every Rebbe is a Tzaddik, but not every Tzaddik, which means a righteous man, is a Rebbe. Moses was not the only righteous Tzaddik in his generation, and so it is throughout the generations of the Moses expansion. However, there is only one Moses in every generation. So now, what is the difference between a righteous Tzaddik and a Moses? The absoluteness of selflessness and of transparency is not possible for the body consciousness, including even for the absolutely righteous tzaddikim amongst the body of the children of Israel. The absolutely righteous people can completely nullify their personal will their own intellect, their own emotions and their own thoughts, speech and actions to God. However, concerning Moses, the verse states, and I'm going to quote here a couple of verses in which God clarifies for us what makes Moses different than everyone else, even of the righteous people and even of all other prophets. Here are some verses. He said, Please listen to my words. If there be prophets among you, the Lord will make himself known to him in a vision. I will speak to him in a dream. Not so is my servant Moses. He is faithful throughout my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth in a vision and not in riddles. And he beholds the image of the Lord. That's what God said to Moses' brother and sister Aaron and Miriam when they gossiped about Moses. Here's another verse. Then the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man would speak to his companion. This is what the verse says about Moses after the Jewish people made the golden calf and they did their repentance and Moses went back to speak to the Lord. Here's another verse. And there was no other prophet who arose in Israel like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. And there will not arise another prophet like Moses. These are the verses that actually finish the eulogy of Moses at the closing of the five books of Moses. Here's something else. Concerning Moses' level of humbleness and his total transparency to God The verse states, I'm quoting, Now this man Moses was exceedingly humble, more so than any person on the face of the earth. Again, this verse is the introduction to the story where his brother and sister gossip about him. Here's another teaching. Our sages state that unlike the transmission of any of the books of prophets and scriptures, only concerning the five books of Moses The transmission from God was that of, and I'm quoting here a teaching from the Zohar, the divine presence spoke from the throat of Moses. This teaching of the Zohar also could be found in the sages' teachings of the Midrash. So as the verse just stated, this absoluteness of selflessness and absolute higher conscience does not exist within the body of the Jewish people not even amongst the prophets and the righteous amongst them. It is distinctly only about Moses. Now this isn't a question of measuring or categorizing people. It is an understanding of the oneness of the Jewish people in every generation, in which there is the entirety of one being, all of the Jewish people, Make up in every generation one being with a head and a body, which together serve as one. This is why, when the Jewish people sinned with the golden calf while Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights studying with God, God said to Moses, Go, descend, for your nation has acted corruptly. Rashi comments on these words sounds like God is punishing Moses but Moses wasn't even part of it Rashi comments that what God is telling Moses go descend descend from your high position of being here with me why because I have not given you this high position but only for their sake it's a head and a body it's one being nevertheless there is a clear distinction of Moses his higher conscious, and his function for the children of Israel, which without, the children of Israel cannot fully function, just as a body cannot fully function without a head. Our sages call Moses the faithful shepherd, Raya Mehemna. Here, too, this can be read on two levels. The simple meaning is that this title is an adjective to Moses, that Moses was a faithful shepherd. He did his work faithfully. On a deeper level in Kabbalah, it can be read as the primary job description of Moses, that Moses is to shepherd, to feed his flock, faith. Faithful shepherd, meaning that his job is to shepherd his people, his flock, with faith to give them faith, to feed them faith. Now, the Talmud clearly states that Jewish people on their own right, without Moses feeding them, are Maminim B'nai Maminim, believers, the sons of believers. We have faith on our own rights as the body of the children of Israel. So why do we need Moses to feed us faith? Here's an interesting story in the teaching of the Talmud. The Talmud expounds upon the verse, know him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. This is the verse from Proverbs. Comes along the Talmud and says, said Rabbah, some people say it was Papi, not Rabbah, even concerning a sin. Now comes along Rabbi Papa, this is what people say, the, thieves as he's the thief as he stands to break in prays to God that he not be caught. What an interesting Talmudic explanation. Simply, what's going on here? The context here is that Rabbah or Papi is astonishingly, teach, astonishingly teaching that one can know God even in his ways of sinning. Now, Rappapah explains what rabbi is saying that this is to mean that even a thief when he is about to break into steal, which is the act of the your ways of a thief he knows god and the proof is that the thief prays to god that he should be successful in his thievery and not get caught now in the teachings of hasidus We search this Talmud meaning. What is the Talmudic teaching? What's the deeper meaning here? And actually it's very deep. Hasidus sees this Talmudic teaching as defining the peculiarity of faith. Why? For if he believes in God, why is he sinning against God by stealing? And if he doesn't believe in God, then why is he praying to God? Yet both actions of this thief are simultaneously true. He is sinning against God and he does believe that God alone blesses the work of his hands and therefore he prays to God for success. How can that be? The reason for this is that faith is of the infinite circular faculty of the soul and remains abstract to the internal faculties of the soul. Therefore, the faith does not necessarily affect how much less so dominate the person's thoughts speech and actions so yes this thief has faith in god but there's a total disconnect between his faith in god and what he's about to do now we can understand the precise wordings of the zoha that moses is the shepherd again in the deeper sense that he feeds, he's shepherding, the children of Israel with faith. Moses' job is to take the infinite, encompassing, circular faith, which is abstract, and to feed it so that it be digested and internalized within the children of Israel, so that the faith not remain abstract, but that the faith does connect, it does affect, and it does dominate, person's actual lifestyle and behaviors Moses job is to take that thief's faith in God and internalize it to the thief so that his faith will stop him from stealing when a person's infinite encompassing circular faith is digested and internalized so that it transforms the intellect and paradigm of the person This is called, let's go back to our verse When you, which is Moses Will cease, not count, but lift When you will lift the head of the children of Israel When a person's head is lifted in such a quantum leap Suddenly he sees himself and his inequities much much more honestly The slightest infraction upon his purity and loyalty to God Glares out demanding to be rectified thus by lifting the head of the children of Israel this leads to his cleansing and giving to God his personal half shekel let's look what the half shekel is the half shekel is made up of ten gera this refers to the ten faculties of the soul which are made up as we say in Genesis in the image and likeness of God What does that mean? It means in the image and likeness of the supernal ten emanations. The human was created in the image and likeness of God in that his psyche of his three intellects, which is wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, and his seven emotions, the love, the fear, the compassion, etc., reflect the supernal transformer, through which the infinite light becomes finite life source for all of creation. This supernal transformer, which takes the infinite light of God and turns it into a finite life force for all of creation, is the supernal ten emanations. So now we know that the ten gira which make up the half shekel, which we have to give to God, really means our ten faculties our intellect and our emotions thus our giving to god our half shekel means that we are cleansing purifying and committing our ten faculties our ten girah, our paradigm and our feelings to god every person has a different level of ten faculties There are people who are smarter, people who are less smart, people more compassionate, people less compassionate. Each of the ten faculties for every person has different capacity. However, everybody has only ten faculties, not eleven nor nine. And these ten faculties are the half shekel that the individual is commanded to give to God. Okay, now we understand what the commandment of giving the half shekel is and why we need Moses to first lift our head however if the 10 shekel the 10 gerah of the half shekel is the entire ten faculties of the soul then what is the whole se- shekel which is an additional 10 gerah the whole shekel is 20 gerah half shekel is 10 gerah so what is that other 10 gerah if already the half shekel is our entire psyche the verse in Deuteronomy warns the Jewish people lest they will not remain faithful to God that they will be brought into exile. Moses before he's dying is telling the Jewish people be careful. The terminology of the verse is because you did not serve the Lord your God with happiness and with gladness of heart when you had an abundance of everything. The simple meaning of the verse is that moses is telling the jewish people because the jewish people if you do not serve god when the times were joyous and good therefore they will have brought upon themselves troubling times that's the simple meaning of the verse however the great kabbalist the arizal rab Isaac luria he reveals to us a deeper meaning of this verse god is speaking of when we did serve god so what's the problem However, we served God without joy and without gladness of heart. This is what brings exile. Okay, let us ask, what breathes joy into us? The answer, love does. Love brings joy. In our service to God, this means that our love to God brings us the joy in our serving God. The Kabbalistic interpretation to the word mitzvah, which literally means commandment, is from the word tzafza, which means connection. When one is in love, every opportunity to connect with the person he loves brings him immense joy. Thus a person serving God, studying God's Torah, and performing God's commandments with joy and gladness of heart, or with sadness and resentment, truly speaks volumes of his relationship with God whether it is a love relationship or not this is what the mystic Arizal Rabbi Isaac Luria is telling us about exile that when we have a back to back resentful relationship with God we are within a deep inner exile which then brings about the reality of that state of being in the universe for us and we are brought into the physical exile as well so now the question is going to shift from what breathes joy into what blossoms love there are two levels of love lower love and higher love each is of a different nature and each is blossomed differently lower love is the love that God commands us to have for him in the verse and you shall love God, your God, with all your heart. We say that in the Shema Israel, Via Ahafta et Hashem Elokecha. You shall love God, your God. That's a commandment. That's talking about the lower love. The reason that God commands us to have the lower love for Him and does not command us to have the higher love for Him is because only the lower love is an on-demand emotion that we can create, bring forth, and blossom. The higher love is called a gift and it isn't created by us. So God can't command us to have that. The lower emotions are connected to our intellectual capacity and are born through understanding, concentration, and personalized focus. I want to just say that again. There are three steps. There's number one, understanding. Number two, we then need to concentrate and meditate on what we understand. And even that's not enough. We need to have personalized focus. When we get to know God, understand our relationship with God, concentrate upon God and His relationship with us, and then focus on God and His relationship with me personally, this intellectual process, once personalized, gives birth to love to our loving God the continuous maintenance of this intellectual process and personalization of it per blossoms the love so this is the commandment of the Torah to love God the commandment speaks of the heart you shall love God but its directive is to the mind learn know, concentrate focus personalize Thus, the love is a limited product of our limited mind, each within his particular capacity of his mind. Thus, King Solomon states in the famous Eshet Chayil, the uh, woman of valor poem, her husband is known in the gates. King Solomon is referring to God, our husband, being known. What does mean known? Over here, known means, as the verse in Genesis and Adam new eve what that means to us here is an emotional consummation through our gateways of understanding the lower love and the joy it brings us is our giving of our half shekel our ten gerah, our limited capacity of understanding and feeling for God that's the lower love and it's brought about through working it Learning, concentrating, meditating, personalizing it, focusing. However, once again, our love, the lower love, is stuck within our self-seeking paradigm of reality. And focuses on who God is to me. Simply that means, I'm always going to ask, what does God do for me? That's my gateway into loving God thus this love for God and the joy born from this love is limited and self-centered higher love is the divine gift called in Kabbalah matnat kahuna, the priestly gift to truly step out of self and to objectively see the reality of God and from there To freely love God. What do we mean freely love God? Free from self, from our egocentric self-seeking, which limitedly defines reality only as small as we are. We become free from that in the gift of higher love to be able to love God, not for how small we are, but for how great God is. Based upon this understanding of the lower love and the higher love, Let us now understand the process of how Moses feeds his generation with faith. Remember that deeper, the meaning of the word raya mehemna, faithful shepherd, that he feeds with faith. Let's see how that process works. There's two parts of this process, two levels. Level one of this process, Moses does through his teachings. Moses lifts the head of the children of Israel He gives us a theocentric, selfless understanding of the teachings of the Torah. These selfless teachings of the Torah open us to digest our faith, internalizing it into our intellect. We now have our raised intellect empower us to give birth to raised love, which in turn bores raised joy. However, this is still not the essence faith love and joy which the soul has for god this is moses vision imposed upon his chassid and thus it is not the essence of the chassid thus this is not the ultimate shepherding of faith that moses feeds the children of israel with that is level two let's move on to feeding time level two the higher love The higher joy, the higher faith, and the deepest process of Moses' shepherding his generation with faith, his feeding his generation faith, internalizing faith for them, is Moses revealing the essence of his chassid's soul. Once the chassid's essence of his soul is revealed, then the chassid is now living within the ultimate selflessness, one that is not imposed upon him from the outside, but brought forth from the deepest of his own insides. However, the egocentric paradigm of the outer layers of the human does not allow him to reach the essence of his own being on his own. It is precisely Moses who is in his entirety both on his essence and on his expression level moses is a soul of atzilut that's a very high spiritual world where god is everything and everything is god and moses is of total essence who can therefore bring forth the spark core of essence within each and every jew of his generation Now, this is a whole deeper meaning to the commandment of Moses lifting the head of the children of Israel. We're now talking about Moses should reveal the head of the children of Israel within them to reveal the essence of the soul within each and every person. Now, the essence of the soul is the essence of the entire soul, of all the faculties of the soul. And, thus, it is the one and the same essence of the infinite, encompassing, circular, abstract faith and of the finite, expressive faculties of intellects, emotions, thoughts, speech, and actions. There's one essence to all of us. Our entirety has one essence. Therefore, when the essence of a person's soul is revealed, automatically the person's faith which is abstract, is not any more abstract. Rather, it is digested and becomes who he is and how he behaves. So, how does Moses do this? We now understand on the deeper level what Moses does. On the first level, he reveals to the generation, the Jewish people, a selfless format and paradigm of the teachings of the Torah and a vision of relationship with God. This higher level is that he doesn't impose upon them his vision, his teaching. Rather, he reveals within every Jew their own essence of their own soul. How does that work? How the process of this level two of feeding faith works, I can't fully explain other than by quoting of our sages on the topic. I'll quote for you two quotes on the topic. Number one when the spark gets close to the Maor the Maor means the mother flame, the source of light when the spark gets close to the Maor the spark then is drawn forth and brought into the mother flame's existence and reality one teaching a second teaching the entire Jewish people are one person and therefore Moses, the head of the body the resting place of the essence of the soul is the head is the essence of the entire body for the entire person is one the head's effect on the body isn't an outer process and imposition upon the body rather it is an inside as existential process as that of how the physical head affects its physical body so bear in mind these two teachings let us look at an example of what it is when it comes forth as a gift from the inside rather than when it is intellectually imposed through a teaching or a vision from the outside. Let's take a practical example that many Jews have. When a Jew primes himself the slightest sensitivity before he visits the Western Wall What do I mean by saying when a Jew primes within himself the slightest sensitivity? Let's just be practical. Simply meaning that he doesn't approach the Western wall as a tourist who's disconnectedly collecting photo op moments. No, no, he's going to the Western wall. Then something inexplicable happens at the Western wall. There is no intellectual or visionary epiphany that transpires rather Something from so deep within the person seems to awaken from a slumber and reveals itself through all of the person's faculties and senses, often bringing the person to tears and the person does not even know why he or she is crying standing there at the Western Wall. That would be an example of the gift That comes from deep within, not imposed upon from without. When a person stands in the presence of Moses, being seen by Moses and seeing Moses, he is standing face to face with the magnitude of the mother flame of his very own essence, like when the body connects to the brain. His own essence is drawn close and is revealed which now flushes and empowers him with the ten gerah of his essence, the second half shekel, the gift which makes him whole. Now we're talking about a whole different experience of our psyche. Thus we now understand the deeper mystical dimension of the commandment of the half shekel. When you, Moses, will lift The head of the children of Israel for what they are missing Moses first lifts the head of the children of Israel through his selfless teachings and selfless vision that he teaches them then Moses again lifts the head of the children of Israel through revealing within them their essence through this the children of Israel are lifted Of that which they are missing on their own, and the two halves of one whole shekel is given. In closing, the practical message of this lecture is very clear. For a person to truly be able to refine and give his first half shekel, the first ten gerah, and to then truly be able to become whole connecting and becoming one with the gift of his higher tengera, one must do two things the first is to study the teachings of chasidus which are the teachings and vision of the moses of our generation the rebbe who gifts us with a selfless understanding and paradigm of the torah and of our relationship with god through studying chasidus we digest and internalize our faith To influence who we are and how we behave that's number one then there is a second dimension of the two halves of one whole shekel the second thing to do is to go to the Ohel of the Rebbe the Ohel is the burial place of the Rebbe I want to take a moment here to discuss what going to the Ohel is meant to be there's a lot of confusion about this however To understand this, I want to first discuss what Yechidus means. In Sephardic pronunciation, Yechidut. Yechidus is a private audience with the Rebbe throughout all the generations of Hasidim. The word Yechidus simply means to be alone with the Rebbe. It's explained by Hasidim to be as the experience of the Kohen Gadol, the High Priest, being alone in the Holy of Holies of the Holy Temple on Yom Kippur. Once a year, the Kohen Gadol would go into the Holy of Holies, where the Holy Ark was. This is what Yichidus is all about. The Rebbe represents the Holy Ark as the casing of the Holy Torah in his completely becoming transparent to the will and wisdom of God. The Chassid represents the high priest who enters into the Rebbe's office and is alone in this Holy of Holies in the presence of the Holy Ark. That's what Yechidus means, simply speaking. There is yet a deeper dimension explanation of having a Yechidut with the Rebbe, which is based upon what we discussed here about the higher dimension of Moses being the shepherd of faith the feeding, the faith. Yechida is the name of the essence of the soul. Yechida means simply oneness and unity with God. And thus, it is the name of the essence of our soul. The word Yechidus therefore refers to the shepherding of faith in which Moses, the essence dimension of the soul, the Moses head of the generation, connects with the yechida essence of the soul of the chassid who stands before him and reveals this essence of the jew's soul to the jew okay that's what would happen throughout all the generations of chassidim we would walk into the rebbe's office a set appointment we'd prepare ourselves spiritually and come to the rebbe now let us explain what going to the ohel is about after the rebbe passed away in 1994 from his physical dimension in this world someone once asked the rebbe in the 1950s if he may go to the ohel of rabbi yosef Yitzchak of lubavitch the previous rebbe on chalamod which are the intermediate days of the seven days passover and holidays su- su- sukkot holiday passover and sukkot holidays So just to understand, the previous Rebbe passed away in America, and that was in 1950, and then in 1994, now you see there's the Rebbe and the previous Rebbe are laying side by side. So the question here is that on Shabbat, which is a joyous day, on a holiday, which is a joyous day, one may not visit a grave. The Chassid was asking, being that he was here on a very short trip in the 1950s, And he wanted to go to the burial site of the previous Rebbe he wanted to know what the laws were concerning the semi holiday days the intermediate days of the Passover and of the Sukkot holiday the Rebbe's answer took a total different approach to the issue here was the answer if you view the Ohel solely as the burial place of a Rebbe then you may not go however if you view it as the rebbe merely relocated his office then you may go wow i would like to share with you how i view this answer throughout the ages there was a jewish custom mentioned in the code of jewish law to go and pray at the burial place of the righteous this practice is documented as early as in the book of numbers when Caleb while spying Israel for Moses went to pray at the burial place of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is a tradition, it's a custom, it's been going on since the Jewish people became a people. This is one dimension of going to the ohel of a rebbe. However, there is a total different dimension of going to the ohel of the rebbe, which is what I believe what the rebbe was telling that chassid. The going to the oil of the Rebbe on a much deeper dimension is to go into a Yechidus with the Rebbe to be seen by and to see yourself in the presence of Moses the faithful shepherd in order to be fed faith which on the highest level means it is to have the essence of our soul revealed to us the second half of the shekel This is the deeper level of the commandment of the half shekel, where two halves make us whole. So, one should always remember that while the early bird gets the worm, the early worm gets eaten. Therefore, always live within your higher consciousness.